Welcome back, y'all, to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Whenever we've looked to new, new, new countries, new presidents, things of that nature, or countries in general, we kind of think about who is the man behind the mask? Who is the person that is pulling the strings and dictating what is going on? Um, and today within this podcast, we are going to be covering the Chinese premier, Chinese chairman, Chinese president, whatever you want to call him, Xi Jinping. We're going to be looking at his life, his early life, what he is now, and what does he mean for China. Um, so let's get into it. The first thing I really want to cover is how you pronounce his name. I hear so many people in the news and in, in, in just not knowing how to say it. They say, Ji, Drew, Ji, Shi, Ji, whatever, Ping. Okay, the first thing you have to understand is just she. Like, if you say it like that, like he and she, she. Xi Jing. So that's the way you say it. So it's just think of saying J I N G. So Jing. So saying Ping, but putting a J in front of it. Jing. So Xi Jing, the last one being Ping, you can think of Ping Pong. So Xi Jing Ping is how you say his name. Um, sometimes whenever I hear people pronounce his name within the media and the news, I'm like, that could not be further from the truth. All you have to do is say Xi, President Xi. That's it. Like S H E. Um, so, getting into today, who is President Xi Jinping and what does he represent? Born in 1958 within Beijing, China. I hear it sometimes in his Chinese whenever he's speaking because he has that kind of type of way he pronounces words and talks. So, whenever we get into President Xi, it's really important to understand his kind of genesis, if you will, who made him, who he is and why he is currently the president chair. What's so crazy about him, though, is there's not a lot of information um, that we can find through a Western lens. If I go to Google information about President Xi, or even if it's through Chinese means, it's already been curated, and to create a certain image or a persona, if you will, this is so this is so normal for propaganda within the Soviet, within, kind of within the, the Soviet communist um, lens. So... Whenever we look at President Xi, what we first have to understand about him is his early life was relatively privileged. His father was a member of the Communist Party. He went to an upper kind of echelon boarding school. And from there, he would have lived a normal life. He would have created friends. He would have learned. He would have been living better than probably 90% of the majority of people in China. Then you had a transition occur within the political landscape where you had Mao Zedong kind of going through a purge. So this purge was really prompted by many things, one of them being paranoia that people were coming after him, and number two, he had to maintain power. So as a result of this purge, he went after different communist leaders within the party, and there's multiple communist leaders within China of different echelons. You can think of state, local, federal, kind of how we do it within the government standard within the United States, but as you think about this upper echelon of how it is, there's different communist leaders for state, party, everything. 
So President Xi's father would have been a part of the Communist Party, and as a result of it, he would have been purged. So this purging was really interesting because a lot of people were purged, including at one point Deng Xiaoping, who became the president in the 80s, who said to make money is the most important thing. So you have it very common throughout all of China. So if you were a communist leader during this time, it would be hard not to get purged. Well, during this purging is probably where a lot of things get formed for young President Xi. President Xi would have been then at some point forced to go to these labor camps. Now, these labor camps were so um, terrifying for China where they would send people out there to kind of break their mentality and make them work, cut wheat, dig trenches, do things like that. Now, Xi Jinping was a part of this, and he would have been a result of being in this labor camp for seven years. So he was 15 years old whenever he went to these labor camps. In a lot of ways, this really um, stunted people of his generation's education. A lot of people said that they had not gone to these education camps, maybe they could have had a better lifestyle. However, President Xi at the time had a different mentality about it, or at least this is what's curated through the media lens, is in fact he looked at it as a character-building experience. So meaning it gave him the ability to lead, learn, and understand the Communist Party. Um, but while his time in these kind of intrinsic, in these um, work camps, he would have dug ditches. Um, he said he picked up smoking as a way to um, have a break. So he hated manual labor at first. He would um, also run away and he lived in a cave for like he lived for in a cave during this time. So really crazy stuff. And then he got to a point where he was on a work team or he even would work in sewage. So he really was able to gain this ability to understand hard work, labor camps, but also allowed him later in life to connect to the people, becoming the everyman. So born really in kind of this, um, you know, kind of born kind of as a rich boy who was forced to go through a purge, and as a result of going through the purge, he came out on the other side using it. So with this as in mind, he used it as a form of motivation. So President Xi Jinping would start to establish himself within the Communist Party. One could argue as a result of seeing what the Communist Party could do, he would put his time and effort in understanding how he could take over. So what do you have? So he started local, very little at a young age, kind of, you know, being a Communist Party leader. Now, within China, it's really important to understand that there's are thousands and thousands of different Communist Party leaders, and they represent different aspects of the community. I was a Peace Corps volunteer within China, and there was a Communist Party leader in the university, and his job was to kind of establish what could and couldn't be due. And if I ever had an idea or a course I wanted to teach, I had to go to the Communist Party leader and the leader of the department and determine if it could be done. Now, if it didn't go against communist standards, it was fine. So it was a way for you know people to have checks and balances within the system to make sure maintain that the fact that they're feeling fitting within this Marxist, quote-unquote, communist society. So Xi Jinping worked his way through this point where he was a, a local leader. So he worked it. So you can understand his mentality. Went from a work camp, worked his way to a work, a leader. Um, and from there, he started to establish himself a little bit more within the political sphere. He gained a reputation of being a family man and really focusing on the importance of his family having multiple daughters. Now, 
And at this point, around 1990, there would have been a transition. So in 1990, he started to become more well-known. He was actually a, a leader and then potentially would be, I think, governor of Fujing, which is a little bit southern, more southern in China. From there, he would create a name for himself. Now, he went through the ability to govern people. He understood how to raise money. So, but you know, what he's credited for within running Fujing is for the fact that he was able to raise money, create a stronger economy at the same time of cutting down on pollution. I can't imagine how bad the pollution would be then because there was lots and lots of bikes. So, he would go from there, and it, it's almost like he wouldn't go unscathed. There was probably one of the most largest political crises of all time that happened in Fujing. So what we have to understand about Fujing is it is a port province or a port city, port area. A lot of ships could coming out, and there was a criminal mastermind down there who was shipping in, in I think his name is Ling, is what they called him. And Ling was actually selling and distributing products and shipping them out of the port, selling them to other countries. And it was a billion dollar kind of um, criminal activity. Like what I said, one of the biggest of all time. Now, what's really, really interesting is the majority of people who were affiliated with it from a political aspect of being corrupt were kicked out of politics and a lot of them never showed their face again. So whenever corruption gets deemed, corruption gets deemed within Chinese politics, you know, you're, it's almost like you're just done or you're dead. Now, for whatever reason, President Xi Jinping was able to overcome that and nothing happened to him. In fact, he was promoted. So he would go on his time within Fujing and he would really understand how to master the system. And one could argue as a result of going through these work camps, going through the Cultural Revolution, his father being purged, it really created a ability and drive with him to understand how to work the system. So he would continuously rise throughout the system um, of the Communist Party. Now, what's really important to understand about President Xi is he offers a different, he offers a really a unique perspective as being a Chinese individual who's gone through the Cultural Revolution and cut his teeth on so many political endeavors, starting as a, you know, an individual who used to work in and digging sewage trenches to potentially now being a governor of Fujing. Well, he had higher hopes, and that would become really president. So in around 2013, he then would be voted in as the chairman. The chairman before him was much different than President Xi Jinping. His name was Hu Jintao, and Hu Jintao had a whole different mindset on the way he interacted with the West. If you can think about it, Hu Jintao really wanted to develop better relationships with America and establish a stronger economy. Um, well, Chairman Xi Jinping has been a little bit different. A lot of people call him Mao 2.0, meaning an update for Mao's political ability, political candor, and understanding how to kind of manipulate and rule the people, but create maybe a more of a monopolar kind of reality. So if we can think of President Xi Jinping, when we look at him now, he's really been able to overcome a lot and maintain power and change the rules at the top. So he's elected in 2013 and from there he's created a different kind of China from what was known around 2011. And this China is one that is baked more in nationalism, creating a more stronger power in a way. 
So China's focusing right now, in my opinion, on becoming and being stronger, bigger, using examples of the Silk Road to drive the economy and create a different way, a way forward for China. Um, and what's been really interesting is, is, is prior to Xi Jinping, what would happen is people generally had two terms as chairman, but around 2018, for whatever reason, this was voted out within, within the Communist Party and now people can have as many terms as they want. And about last in the last year, they had the 20th um, commission meeting where they all came together and re-voted re for Xi Jinping to be president. So Xi Jinping has proven himself to be quite the leader within China, continuously being voted. Now, what he's done while he's in office is he's redeveloped what human rights issues are. If you think that he's re-ramped on what's going on in my opinion, with the Uyghurs and what's going on within Xinjiang and cutting down on them. One could argue it's a result of the simple fact that there's a lot of minerals within Xinjiang. Xinjiang, Xinjiang. Um, you can think about it being more like, you know, the boxing for your phone, all the bromine, bromides, everything that you need in order to have technology, but also a gateway to um, the stands. In a lot of ways, the Chinese policy potentially is changing where they're influencing and using more of Central Eurasia, potentially for trading, building, and maybe outward expansion. I think that, you know, the thing that Xi Jinping also wants to do is really recreate the, the Silk Road and turning it into the One Belt, One Road initiative. And a lot of people think it's a result of him wanting to drive the economy because so much of the economy within China is built on infrastructure. Um, and he's also created a simple situation where they have more monitoring and security within China. If you can think about it, more than half of the closed circuit televisions in the world are located in China and you have more social media monitoring. So Xi Jinping has created more of a police state and using the implementation of AI to monitor folks. So if you looked before Xi Jinping, if you looked at a an online site people use for social media named Weibo, Weibo is used by everyone. Maybe there was 10 people who was monitoring what was being said now there's hundreds and hundreds of people monitoring different information as well as putting it in CCTV. So Xi Jinping really has created more of a police state as both in China at the same time as building the economy. We'll see what happens with Xi Jinping because he's been able to change so many aspects of the economy, the political system, how things are done, and rising from someone who was eventually purged and digging Maybe, I don't know how much this is, but digging the sewage. So in 15 minutes, that's really Xi Jinping. If you, there's obviously there's more for the man, you can look it up. But I really wanted to go over that, identify who he is, and then pronounce his name. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll get back to you tomorrow.